to be one week to break my streak it was going to be christmas week and uh i'm sure with that you would all understand but my name is captain eric ahoy mateys uh welcome to this week in nickelodeon history last week in nickelodeon history actually to be accurate uh but yeah welcome to this week in nickelodeon history where we're going to be covering all of the nickelodeon shows that either started or ended between the times of december 19th and december 25th we're still we're still in chronological order, and and I'm sure a lot of people you know can listen to older episodes. It's still worth you know listening to old ones. You don't have to listen to them the week of, and that's my defense, and I'm sticking with it. Um, but yeah, Christmas is just uh, th- there are several jobs out there that uh, increase in volume and difficulty around the holiday season. I work one of them. So between that and just other things going on, you know, Christmas, obviously working a 40 plus hour a week job. um, Yeah, it it just I I had to, you know, get over the fact that I was going to miss the uh, the deadline here. But uh, but no worries. Still getting you uh, this episode out. And uh, we actually don't have much to go through. So after we get through all of the uh, shows, I'm going to give you my personal top five uh, Nickelodeon Christmas episodes that you should add into your Christmas special rotation. Um, There's a a lot of Nickelodeon Christmas specials and and almost all of them are really quality, but I'm really happy with the uh, with the list I came out with. So certainly stick with that. Uh, But we're going to be starting out with something that premiered two years ago on December 20th, 2019, and that is The Adventures of Paddington. A, uh, a show that premiered, I believe it's it's more on the Nick Jr. side, um, but The Adventures of Paddington is, of course, based off of Paddington Bear, a very popular character. Um, I believe he's more based in the, the UK, um, but he always had a, a foothold here in the United States as well uh, with merchandise and television shows and, and certainly the, the most recent live-action movies, which I have not seen, but... I, I just keep hearing these like glorious things about, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna eventually check those out. But uh, yeah, Paddington is just Paddington Bear is just a beloved fictional character. He's right up there with Winnie the Pooh, I imagine, and in most popular bear. I mean, I, I'd have to imagine he's he's got to be up there. He has his own statue in London, at a, on a park bench where you can sit next to Paddington as he is bronzed, eating a uh, sandwich or just about to. Uh, I think what marmalade. Orange marmalade, I think that's his uh, sandwich of choice. Good for him. Uh, I I've not seen the the Adventures of Paddington. I I've never really um, been a fan. He's kind of in that uh, category of like very well known fictional characters that I just don't. You know, there there's going to be a lot of preschool level characters in that field of just like I don't know really anything about them other than whatever I've seen on t-shirts or advertised. Uh, but yeah, uh, if you're a fan of Paddington, let me know if that's a, a good cartoon. Uh, but also two years ago, on December 20th, 2019, we had the final episode of the revival of Double Dare. Double Dare was brought back as a game show a mere a year earlier 
on June 25th, 2018. Uh, Mark Summers did return to the show, although he was not in a hosting gig. He was brought back as as kind of the uh, the the legacy of Double Dare, kind of the co-host. The, the new host was uh, Liza Koshy, a, a massive YouTube celebrity with uh, 17.5 million subscribers on her main YouTube channel with 2.5 billion views uh, as of as of November 22nd, 2021. You know, she took a she took a, the ball and ran with it and, and did a lot with her career. She's still uh, in, in films and television shows and music videos. She's won a ton of Teen Choice Awards, Streamy Awards. Um, and, and she is, is seemingly, I, I don't watch her content. Um, but from the stuff that I have seen and just seeing her, you know, and what she's currently doing, it's like, well, she really took all, all the opportunities is, and is a hard worker. Um, you know, nobody is, is going to be working this much and, and maintain it for this long. So, uh, congratulations to Liza and, and I'm, you know, completely like good for her that what a, what a fantastic offer to be a new host on a game show like double dare. It's a real shame that it only lasted about a a year and a half. Uh, double dare should be just as much of a staple on Nickelodeon television as jeopardy is or wheel of fortune. Um, I mean, Hey, that's, that's my honest opinion about that game show, but in terms of just everything that Nickelodeon, like you can condense into one half hour, I just feel like Double Dare is is a perfect mixture with trivia and and you know comedy and physical challenges and of course the slopstickle course and getting you know families and celebrities to to combat each other and IQ and physical challenges. I, I don't know. It's a great game show. I uh, absolutely adore Double Dare. I'm glad that they were they were still able to bring back Mark Summers and and have him featured and um, I I think for for him it must have been a, a great experience. I I got to experience the Double Dare live tour twice that they did. Uh, the the first time I actually got to meet Mark Summers, who was the host of the live tour. Uh, un- unfortunately, I did not get picked to perform in the Slopstickle Course, but let me tell you. I have been training my entire life for for those kind of opportunities. That the Hidden Temple, uh, I am ready. Day one, uh, there's just no chance that anyone else would be able to stand toe to toe with me in any of those competitions. Um, you can you can quote that. That is an absolute fact. Um, it's it's practically set in stone as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but yeah. Got to meet Mark Summers, wonderful guy, wonderful human being, um, and uh, and also it wasn't even just Mark that was around. Uh, Robin, who was the assistant on Double Dare, also came along and and was a part of the live show. And um, that show had so much potential to keep going as even a live experience. Um, not not even for just the kids, but you should see the amount of adults that that are there to like just as as ready as I am there to to experience double dare at their fullest and um maybe in their their those kind of arenas uh, a live continuing live tour would not be the the kind of thing but um i know they've done you know tours at like college campuses but um for people my age if if they were able to to do this in places that were a bit smaller you could raise the ticket price just a little bit and I don't know, like Double Dare could be something that you could continue, you could keep going every week, be in a different city somewhere in the world. Uh, and it it's just game show, live show. Otherwise, I'm a big fan of Double Dare. Uh, and with all of that, I will move on uh, because a show that ended its run 
six years ago on December 23rd, 2015, Talia in the Kitchen, a, uh, a telenovela teen sitcom that premiered on July 6, 2015. It ran for one season of 40 episodes and was created by Katharina Lebedor. Also six years ago, ending its run on December 19th, 2015, The Penguins of Madagascar. Uh, based on the characters created by Tom McGrath and Eric Darnell for the Madagascar series, The Penguins of Madagascar ran for three seasons of 149 episodes. It was the first venture between Nickelodeon and DreamWorks Animation to help bring their characters into the television space, and The Penguins of Madagascar was a massive success for both DreamWorks and Nickelodeon. Um, each show afterwards would, you know, have varying degrees of success and, and even not so success, which then led to, you know, DreamWorks moving on to other channels and other avenues to release their their work. But the Penguins of Madagascar had a perfect fit on Nickelodeon. I think I had the right level of goofiness and, you know, with the four core penguins. And then, of course, bringing in King Julian, uh, I think, is just a stroke of genius. But yes, this TV show does not necessarily follow the movies whatsoever in an alternate universe the penguins uh either never leave the zoo or you know come back to the zoo and during a trek to madagascar uh, king julian uh mort and maurice the three main lemurs from the madagascar series are seemingly captured and then brought to the zoo and they have their own pen pretty much across from the penguins so you get the the comedy of King Julian and his zaniness brought into the worlds of the penguins while they're still at the zoo. So it's a unique experience. Um, there's a lot of uh, really wacky concepts that they go down with the show that, you know, if you're a fan of the Madagascar series, like you're, you're just going to have to accept the fact that this is its own thing and 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 just enjoy it for what it is, because I, I think they really take advantage of of what they had at their disposal um i i didn't watch all of the show i've not seen every single episode uh but certainly a lot of what i did watch when i had access to to nickelodeon live and when it was on i i enjoyed so i i can't do anything else but recommend it if you're a fan of the madagascar movies you should definitely check out the penguins of madagascar i'm not sure where it's streaming if it is anywhere, hold on. Because if it's a yeah, if it's a Nickelodeon, Penguins of well, if I'm sure if I search it up, the movie might pop up. Yeah, they also made a movie off of the Penguins of Madagascar, a spinoff, but it's not not really anything associated with the the show. Oh, it looks like it is available on Paramount Plus. So yep, it is still a Nickelodeon branded show. It's on uh, it's on Paramount Plus. Ch check it out. It, it's certainly worth watching at least a few uh, a few episodes here and there. Uh, I, I certainly recommend it. Um, also, six years ago, on December 19th, 2015, another show finished its run on Nickelodeon. I That day, just I, I don't know if that has the record of the most uh, finales in one day. But yeah, uh, Instant Mom finished its run on uh, Nick at Night. A, uh, a sitcom produced for the Nick Mom block of the... Oh, I was wrong. I thought it was a Nick at Night show. Uh, it was a sitcom produced for the Nick Mom block on the Nick Jr. channel. Uh, it was developed by Howard Michael Gould and stars uh, Tia Maori, one of the uh, 
the Maori uh, twin sisters you would know from the show Sister Sister and their movies Twitches and Twitches 2 on the Disney Channel. Uh, Tia Maori stars as a, uh, a stepmother of three children alongside her husband. So ran for three seasons of 65 episodes. That's that's a hefty deal of Instant Mom. So it certainly got a, a nice run there and finished it right there on December 19th. 2015. Uh, a year earlier, though, on December 19th, 2014, we had the final episode of The Legend of Korra, the spinoff of, not spinoff, the sequel series for the Avatar The Last Airbender. Uh, the show was created by Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Koyetsko, and uh, j- pretty much toe-to-toe is, is within quality right up there with its predecessor, Avatar The Last Airbender. Uh, Now, I'm sure every fan of the Avatar franchise would be able to tell you which series they prefer, but I've heard enough people in my life say they prefer The Legend of Korra to know that it... it, I imagine that within the fan base, if it's not 50-50, then even if it's a 60-40, that's still impressive. Uh, and the show, I, I only watched maybe a season or two. I, I've not finished it and, and know that I have to go back and watch it. Certainly, it's a show I, I got to throw in my uh, streaming schedules. Uh, but it, it is a show that, unfortunately, I I certainly can't talk about without bringing up its its treatment during its its final season. Now, the the first three seasons pretty much... Well, the first two seasons aired on Nickelodeon completely fine no issues no nothing that would be out of the ordinary but then something happened during the third season where uh pretty much the second batch of episodes let me let me just double check on this for book three a few episodes aired on uh the first eight episodes aired on nickelodeon and episodes nine through 13 i believe were then not aired on nickelodeon but premiered on nick.com now, I I don't know the answer as to why this happened, and then certainly with what happened with uh, the season four of The Legend of Korra, but um, I don't know if this was just an attempt to try to boost numbers on the website, and they just said, you know, hey, take something, you know, somewhat popular and throw it on there for premieres as a way to maybe make Nick dot com look good as a streaming service i i i don't know what the answers are but um it, it's a shame to see because yeah the the fourth season was completely digital it did not air on television and and instead uh aired its episodes uh and dropped on certain days on nick.com um and I, like I said, I it, it, when you go through the ratings of from season one to season three, you, there is a clear downward drop of viewership. Um, but it's it's not like there was other content that needed to be airing on on the channel during those times. It, just keep the show going, put it in a decent time slot, promote it. It, it still had legs. It's still extremely popular. May you know, um, I know that since being able to being aired in its fullest on places like Netflix, it's reached a whole new level of popularity, which is, you know, why I, I say, Hey, now I'm finding a lot of legend of Korra fans. Maybe when it was on television, they weren't as loud as they are now, but you know, looking at this show in its fullest, this is a fantastic show and, and 
you know, does stand up there in quality with its predecessor. Now, by the end of the show, by the end of the fourth season, it is shown that Korra ends up in a relationship with her friend Asami, who was pretty much, you know, her, her just strong friend throughout the entire show. And after, I think, a few other failing relationships or at least one big one, she ends up in her friend and, and they're in a relationship with one another by the end of this show. There are those who feel that Nickelodeon, because of that result, ended up just moving the show to the website I, I just to avoid it airing on television and causing a stir but I'm I'm really disappointed in in that in that decision um you know I I think with the especially with how how big and important the avatar franchise has been to that network and and even just the fact that they made an entire studio about it. I mean, think about that for a second. A, a, a cartoon becoming so massive that an entire studio is made separately to encompass its future. That's just just not crazy. It's it's just remarkable. Um and I I think they should have just honored the creator's intentions. You ordered these seasons. I, you know, yes, they're well within their right to move them to wherever network or website. But I, I just think they missed out on a big opportunity to just let that air and, and just let, it, Hey, if there's even a slight amount of outrage, ignore it, ignore it, move forward, stomp forward and yeah, I, I, I think it's just a, just a really big missed opportunity and, and kind of a great cloud, um, not over the show. The show has been able to, to kind of go beyond that and, and live beyond that. But I, I think especially for Nickelodeon at that moment in that time when they made that decision to move that show over to the website, even before anyone knew about the ending, if they knew, whoever ultimately made that decision shame on you and uh and you know I, I i really wish a different decision would have been made for that time um regarding this show uh, i'm glad to see that that uh the avatar crew get to continue forward with with their projects and have the backing um even beyond nickelodeon now now they have the the eyes of viacom and and clearly with their projects it's you're on a bigger pedestal so uh, th this is this is this is big for the stories that they want to tell, and and hopefully they don't ever run into another roadblock like like this again, like Netflix coming in and come on now, you're gonna the creators are gonna walk away. You, the, what decision in that boardroom are are you putting your foot down over the people who created the show you're trying to make? Like what? Yeah, you're entitled to your own opinions of creation, and I'm sure. Uh, I'm I'm sure Michael and Brian are open to to new interpretations or to change things, but once they step away, why? You really think the fans are gonna are gonna be behind this thing? I don't know. That's tough. But now that they're in their own studio, they don't have to worry about anybody, uh, and and that's just great to see. So uh, I I do recommend watching The Legend of Korra, even though I have not watched it in full. I've there's just people whose opinions I do trust who have said nice things about the show, glowing things about the show, and it is certainly one that I'm going to go back and, and watch through myself. So um, give it a watch. It's it's well worth your time. 
Our last show of this evening, uh, 25 years ago, finished its run on December 24th, 1996, the Nickelodeon sketch comedy series Roundhouse. Uh, created by Buddy Sheffield and Rita Sheffield Hester, the show ran for four seasons of 52 episodes. Um, this is crazy because even though Roundhouse aired during the time when I would be watching Nickelodeon the most uh, as an adolescent, I was, you know, uh, about two years old when this premiered or about to be two and it ended when I was five. So I would have been watching a lot of Nickelodeon. I have zero recollection of watching Roundhouse ever. I, I've rewatched it when it aired on, you know, Teen Nick or they'd show like older Nickelodeon shows and Nope. Zero memory of it. Z like nothing seems familiar. The theme song, there isn't a bit that just is, is a locked memory. I just have zero recollection of this show, uh, ever existing, but it is a, a very fun and original show that, um, uh, was made by Buddy Sheffield, who was a former writer for the sketch comedy series in living color. Uh, roundhouse was a part of the original snick lineup that debuted in 1992, and was a half-hour uh, show taped in front of a live audience that was, which was made up of different sketches, uh, dance sequences, musical performances, and there was just a wide cast of different, you know, young kids who were be on the show. It would certainly, you know, it's, it's not all that. It is its own beast. It's kind of like, just almost like if you go watch. Um, uh, improv comedy and, and how wild and zany that can be and, and you know, how sometimes it can work and sometimes it doesn't. But I, I would say this is more in on the improv side, even though things are clearly planned for the audience and whatnot. But it, it feels like more of that energy than all that. Uh, it Yeah, it's 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 a bit more like that. I have not watched a lot of of Roundhouse. I've I've seen various clips online. I've watched it when it was on, you know, airing on Teen Nick and, and you know, I'd watch an episode. It would get my attention a little bit, but I don't have like I said, without that memory, it's it's you know, it's like watching a new show. And I'm, you know, basing it on that merit. I don't know. It just never clicked with me. But uh, it's certainly it's certainly worth a watch. Just, you know, at least an episode or two, I'd say it's it's got part of Nickelodeon history and it it aired a long time. Um, but now that that is this week in Nickelodeon history. But uh, before I go, even though we uh, we are past the actual Christmas holiday, it is still within the Christmas season and and you can still watch all of these specials before January 1st, and that still counts. Uh, you can you can watch Christmas specials up until uh, the 1st, and then th put all that stuff away. Uh, or at least, you know, you can midway of January. If you go to the end of January, fine. February 1st, put your Christmas stuff away. Uh, or, you know what? Christmas lights inside the house as a uh, as a fixture, that's, that's year-long, baby. You can keep that up all the time. Christmas lights look great inside of a house. And now it is time for my top five Nickelodeon Christmas specials. Uh, there are a ton of really good Nickelodeon TV specials and movies. This was actually pretty tough to to dwindle down as far as my uh, my absolute favorites, but these these are the ones that if if you asked me to to put a top five uh, together as a playlist, these are the ones I'm I'm picking in this order specifically. Uh, the first one we are going to start with is the Invader Zim Christmas special, the most horrible Xmas ever. Uh, it was also the the finale 
of of the show uh, pretty much because it was the last episode produced before the show was canceled. They ended on a Christmas special. It's it's uh, one of the only episodes of of season two to air on Nickelodeon, and it is a uh, it's about Zim pretty much harnessing the power of Santa to take over the world. That's his ultimate plan and, and figures out that Santa is, is so beloved and is certainly a fixture he can, he can take advantage of. Uh, the, the Santa song in the special is quite an earworm. And if you are an Invader Zim fan, you know, exactly like the second I mentioned Invader Zim and Christmas, you, that was probably one of the first things that ran through your head is the, uh, the song in the special. But uh, yeah, absolutely love the uh the most horrible xmas ever i like when christmas specials can get a little dark and quirky and invader zim was what took took the christmas special and ran with it they could have made an anti-christmas special but in my opinion it's it's one of it's the you know top five of the nickelodeon ones so they did something right uh number four i'm going with the adventures of jimmy neutron boy genius and holly jolly jimmy it is so wonderful to finally have a uh, Christmas special where uh, where there's a such a uh, a scientific curmudgeon. You know, we've seen you know Christmas specials with angry people about Christmas before. Of course, Ebenezer Scrooge comes to mind, but with Jimmy, it's it all just breaks down to a science. Santa can't exist because it just can't happen. Like it. it scientifically is impossible for somebody to, to fly around the earth at those kind of speeds and to be able to deliver packages to every single kid on the planet. And beyond the, the wonderful song number that's in this, this episode, it's just, it's a refreshing take to have. And it's, you know, a fun time for Jimmy, especially in the end when, you know, he does have to, you know, step up to the plate. Of course, Santa and a lot of these specials ends up being a uh, a real human and a real fixture. But uh, just the way that they handle it in the show and, of course, the writing is as top notch as it was, uh, as always. Um, shout out to Gene Grillo on this special. Uh, but, yeah, Holly Jolly Jimmy. Number four on this list to definitely add it to your your um, your rotation uh, and shout out to uh, Hugh Neutron um, celebrating Puel this holiday season. Uh, we we can't we can't forget Puel. It is uh, certainly a holiday uh, that should be respected right up there with with Christmas and uh, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, uh, Festivus, whatever other uh, whatever other holidays you celebrate. Puel should be one of them. Uh, so shout out to Hugh. Uh, the third special to add to your uh, streaming lists, Danny Phantom's The Fright Before Christmas. Talk about a curmudgeon. But Danny Fenton is actually a character who does not look uh, upon the Christmas season uh, very fondly and is actually very against the Christmas season. Uh, but this entire special is, is certainly um, an interesting one because it takes the the you know the classic tale the night before christmas uh, the poem aspect and brings it on to a ghost known as the ghost writer um a character who was played and let me just double check by this um will arnett will arnett came and voiced the ghost writer a uh, ghost who essentially takes over danny's um world and creates uh, a world in which he can't stop rhyming or anyone can like the entire special is, is essentially told in a, in a rhyme, uh, the, the fright before Christmas too. 
um, a a poem, a sequel poem to the Fright Before Christmas, a poem that Danny had uh, accidentally destroyed, um, but then didn't really feel sorry for due to his hatred of the holiday. Uh, the ghostwriter then you know takes over the rhyming inducing. Uh, powers that he has over Amity Park, and and we get a, a very unique, action-packed, dark, spooky Christmas episode. Uh, I I always the comedy and writing alongside of the action with Danny Phantom is what has always drawn me to it. So to have an entire episode written like this and to have the kind of action it does, it's it's just something that I have to watch near every Christmas season because. It's so unique. There's not many other Christmas specials that are like this. And it's certainly one that if you haven't watched, it is it is well worth a watch. And Will Arnett, as he always does, just knocks it out of the park. Uh, does a fantastic job as the ghostwriter and is one of my favorite villains of the show, even though he's, he's not really a villain. He was kind of justified in his anger, too. Uh, number two on my Christmas specials to add to your uh, streaming list... Uh, Christmas Who, the SpongeBob SquarePants Christmas special. Uh, this special, written by Walt Doran, Paul Tibbett, and Doug Lawrence, uh, aired alongside the second season of uh, SpongeBob SquarePants, and is, you know, in terms of just old, you know, classic Nickelodeon Christmas specials, this is one of them that that it's hard to beat. Uh, bringing the Christmas season to the underworld, uh, undersea world of Bikini Bottom is is a very unique thing, and it's great to see how the characters take the holiday that they had no clue of until Sandy told SpongeBob about Christmas and the story of Santa Claus. Uh, it is a wonderful episode where we just we finally get to see Squidward kind of um, take a different turn instead of just being the you know jerk that he usually would be, which I'm kind of surprised. Um, wasn't touched upon more in a Ebenezer Scrooge type of way, but uh, he does come around and and it's just an absolute holiday classic as far as I'm concerned. Even with more SpongeBob Christmas specials that they've done since this, this one has stood the test of time for me. Uh, but it, all of these shows pale in comparison to what I personally believe is not is not just number one on my list, but if you asked me the top five just Christmas specials in general, this would make the top three, if not even would just flat out be my number one favorite ever. And and would I just have so much good things to say about this, but I am talking about the Hey Arnold Christmas special, Arnold's Christmas. Uh, this special directed by Jamie Mitchell is uh, a episode of, of the show that I hold dearly in my heart. And it is um, an episode that I've been able, a, a Christmas special, an episode that I've been able to actually bring to newer generations because when I was a, a teacher, teacher's assistant for a few years, I had three different occasions where I got to show a group of, of kids this Christmas special during the holiday season. And it's only 24 minutes long, so it's it's an easy watch. Um, and both, let me just tell you, one of the most remarkable moments that I've just had in my life. I, I don't know why it just, it's on different levels, but when you, when you, and I'm sure parents, you can attest to this when you show your kids something that you really like, and then they dig it just as much. There's just, a, there's a certain serotonin level that hits with that. That feels good. But what, what's special about this is the, 
Um, I, I showed a group of kids that were ranging from like first to third grade. Um, I, I was the one who, you know, brought the TV in for, for this morning and Hey, we're going to watch this Christmas special. Now these kids have no idea about Hey Arnold. They've never watched the show, have never probably even seen pictures of Arnold because at this time there wasn't even, this was before the Jungle movie, so he wasn't on Nickelodeon, definitely wasn't in any products, and at best may have been on t-shirts that I wore. Um, but I remember rolling in the television, putting on this episode, and I will tell you all three occasions, it's the same thing. And if you've seen the Arnold's Christmas special, You'll, you'll know what I'm talking about, but, um, this, this plays in the best way possible of, of what the Christmas season is about. It is not about what you receive, but the, the, what the joy you can bring to others. And it does not have to always be in in buying a gift. The holiday season, the Christmas season, it's to show others how much you love them, appreciate them. Simple gestures or the or the smallest thing can mean the biggest in someone's life. It's not always about flashy gifts or how much you spend on somebody. It's just about the heart you put into something. And Arnold's Christmas exemplifies that more than most other holiday specials that I can think of. Um, the levels to which Arnold is willing to make someone in his life happy is admirable. And, and it it's to the point that every person that he interacts with about this issue understands its severity to the point that everybody gets on board. And um, th- this whole special has to do with, with Arnold celebrating. There's a couple layered stories, but it's essentially Arnold celebrating Secret Santa in the boarding house and picks Mr. Quinn as his secret Santa, a guy that he knows uh, very little about. And certainly when inquiring about what, you know, would kind of make his life a little bit better in terms of maybe, you know, physical items or otherwise, he learns of uh, the tragic past of Mr. Wynn, a man who lost his young girl uh, to get her out of a war-torn country. There was time essentially to save one person out of his village when there's an entire crowd of people gathering around these helicopters and a backstory that Mr. Wynn is, is telling Arnold. Uh, and he's able to to give up his young infant daughter to save her, to get her out of trouble and to give her a better life in, in the city that he's living in. He was able to find out that she was actually sent to this city and, and hence why he lives there and and is kind of his whole purpose of finding his daughter. Um, Arnold goes to incredible lengths to, to make this happen. And I I will tell you the second, the war element is brought into the special and it's a element you would not expect to be in a Christmas special, but it's a, it's a moment that is a great reminder that even if in your life things are going great and, and during the holiday season, the, there are people out there who, who bear heavy, heavy stories around this time and, and a lot can weigh on them. And I think what Mr. Wynn goes through is very, is very real and, and it's just, it's taken in such an earnest way that uh, it, it's, it's hard not to kind of fall full attention once that sequence is brought in once you're learning about Mr. Wynn's backstory. And, and it's very early on in the special. So uh, the, the second it, it, that happens to have like first and second graders 
have their attention dead on the screen with silence. They're not, you know, messing around. They're not color full attention. And then their attention throughout the entire special to, to see, like you, you teed up this story that went to such a level that like, I, I commend the writers for, for going that far. Christmas specials can do such simple stories involving Santa and presents and whatnot. But when you're willing to go this far and then give me an engaging story alongside it, I I, I want to watch it every year. It's a, it's a special I'll show people outside of Christmas, but um, to be able to have shown younger kids that and to have had them fall in love with this special as, as much at, like without any knowledge of Hey Arnold is, um, is a cool thing. It was a great feeling. And it's a, uh, it's something that I've I've always have stood by. So Arnold's Christmas, if you have never watched this special and you've never watched Hey Arnold, doesn't matter. Throw this special on. If you have kids, if they've never watched Hey Arnold, I, I, on its own, it stands as a fantastic and mere perfect Christmas special. It, I don't even see mere perfect. Like to me, it is perfect. It is my absolute favorite Christmas special of any cartoon. Um, and it's something that I'll, I'll watch for the rest of my life. Like no problems. I'll be, if I live to a hundred, I'll be a hundred years old watching this in my Christmas rotation. And I'm sure that, that the impact of the story they were willing to tell will still have an effect a hundred years from now, like it does right now. And, uh, and if you, um, have not ever watched Hey Arnold, put it on. If you've watched Hey Arnold, definitely give it a rewatch. And if you're like me and you watch it every year, Hey, Watch it again. It's well worth it. But those are my top five. Uh, Invader Zim, Jimmy Neutron, um, uh, Danny Phantom, SpongeBob, and Hey Arnold. Those five Christmas specials in order. There's there's certainly others you can go down. The Rocco's Modern Life one comes to mind. Uh, the uh, the Wild Thornberries Christmas special comes to mind. Of course, the Rugrats have a ton of them, and you can pick any of them. They're all, they're all great watches, but those are Captain Eric's top five. Thank you for coming aboard this week, and uh, and I do apologize again for uh, for the lateness of this episode, but I hope the extra content here makes up for it. Um, thank you for, for making me a part of your week as you are a part of mine. I hope if you have celebrated Christmas that you had an absolutely wonderful Christmas, and if you didn't, I, I hope that you're able to find uh, you know peace moving forward and, and you're able to rebound off of that. Um, it's just one one day. It's just one holiday. You can always rebound from that. Uh, I, I hope if you didn't celebrate Christmas and you celebrate another holiday like Hanukkah, uh, today I believe is Kwanzaa, so happy Kwanzaa. If you celebrate Kwanzaa, if you celebrate Hanukkah, I hope it was an absolutely wonderful Hanukkah. Hope you have an absolutely wonderful Kwanzaa. If you don't celebrate anything at all, then I just hope you're having a good week and you're staying safe. And with that, we will see you here next week. Thank you for coming aboard. This has been This Week in Nickelodeon History. On the Lord Hut, here we Nick. On the Lord Hut, here we Nick, Nick. On the Ricky Tiggy Low, while living number one Nickelodeon.